Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in the book of Jude. It reads, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were destined for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he is kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve in his example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to announce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they're destroyed by all that they, like the unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of Cain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feast, as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his holy ones, to execute judgment on all, and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds, of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against them. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They're loud mouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers, following their ungodly passions. It's these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. As we jump in here to the book of Jude, we actually wrap up all of the epistles. And so we can look today at the specific teaching of Jude and the way in which he speaks out against these different false teachers. 
And we might have a profitable time in doing that, but I believe that there's a lot in there that we can gain from. But really, I would like for us to focus on verses 17 to the end of the book. I believe that we can dive into a lot of the different details that are there in the first 16 verses, but I believe that's going to actually be more profitable for you to do by yourself with a greater amount of time to walk through the different specific Old Testament teachings that are mentioned there and to look back at the scriptures and what they have to say about those events, to study those things, to look at the ways in which other scriptures provide information about them, and for that to be a profitable exercise for you. But I'd love for us to really focus on the call to persevere and to continue to move forward despite these false teachers, because I believe that's one of the greatest encouragements that we can have from this book. If we look in here in verses 17 through the end of the chapter, we are reminded that we are not to be taken back by false teachers. We're not to be surprised by their presence because there were prophecies about these things. There were predictions given by the apostles and by Jesus that there are going to be scoffers. There's going to be people causing divisions who are pursuing ungodliness. But we are to not give ourselves over to the desires of the world, but instead are to continue to build ourselves up with the power of the Spirit. And as we build ourselves up by the power of the Spirit, we're able to patiently wait for the promise that we have. And the biggest part of that is who that promise is given in. Verses 24 through the end of the chapter are one of the greatest encouragements that we can find in Scripture. Because when we are trusting in the promise of God, when we're trusting in Him, we're truly trusting in His character and His nature. He is able to keep us from stumbling. He is able to present us blameless in glory and with His great joy. Because He is God because he is our Savior, because he is Jesus Christ our Lord. He has all glory, all majesty, all dominion, all authority, and has had that for all times and will continue to have that forever. That's what allows us to faithfully persevere through the different things that we are experiencing in this world, whether it be the false teaching, whether it be the suffering for the sake of the gospel, whether it be just living in a sin-marred world, we're able to look forward to the hope that we have because of who that hope is in. And so whether we're experiencing the hardships mentioned in this passage or whether we're looking for the grace that we need each day, we're able to trust in the goodness of God because of his character, because of his attributes, because of who he truly is and has been since before even the foundation of our world. As far as a question from this passage, there are tons of places that we can look at. When we look back at the previous verses, one of the things that I would like for us to focus on is verse 9. It says, But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. What in the world is going on here? Let's dive into that as we seek to answer that question today. So breaking this verse down, the first thing that we need to look at is who is this archangel Michael? We actually have him mentioned in other places in the scripture. We see him in Daniel. We see him in Revelation. This individual is usually involved with the struggle between God and Satan. We see that he is contending with the devil here, disputing about the body of Moses. 
Moses obviously was this huge figure for the nation of Israel, and we know that he did not continue with his people into the promised land. Deuteronomy 34, 5 and 6 tell us that when he died and was buried, no one knew the place and no one continues to know the place of his burial for that day. And a bit of that is kind of probably something that would be kind of strange to us. Why wouldn't we know where Moses was buried? Well, let's remember what we know about the nation of Israel in its infancy stages. They were very much prone to idol worship and to turning away from God back to the ways of their ancestors or back to whatever seemed to be the best possible thing at that time. As this nation gets ready to go into the promised land, Moses is not going with them. Moses has seemingly carried them the whole way through the period of the Exodus. But remember, it wasn't Moses. It was God who was doing that. But the people were disconnected from God. They often only understood things as Moses or the other leaders would bring them back into that situation. So when we look at that, it's probably considering this case and what we see here and considering what they have done in the past, it was probably that Moses's body desired by some to set up sort of a cult practice to worship Moses, to worship him instead of worshiping God. And so whether the devil is looking for his body for that or to set up some other form of debaucherous worship, we know that God desired him not to be used in a way to be a crutch to his people, that he did not want them to look back on what had taken place, nor for them to worship Moses and all the things that he had done through God's power, but instead to move forward with the new leadership of Joshua and Caleb and the others who are taking them into the land, that they would then look back and rely upon God as the one who is their deliverer, who is their savior, who is their redeemer. And so Michael argues with Satan about this and makes it so that God is able to have his desires and his will move forward and not allow Satan to do what he wishes to do. It's also important for us to note that this interaction is written about in an old writing that is what we would call a pseudepigraphal writing, and it's called the Assumption of Moses. These writings were writings that were not included in the scriptures because there are believed to be either discrepancies or too great a controversy about their origins, author, or writing. And so when we look into that specific book and we see this interaction that's taking place, we know that we're not to believe everything that's in there. It's not on the level of authority of the scriptures, but because we see it mentioned here in the book of Jude and we understand that all scripture is from God and it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for guiding us in godliness, when we understand that, we see that this interaction did take place and we understand a little bit about the purpose of this interaction in terms of God maintaining the purity of his people by keeping certain things from happening. So he uses Michael the archangel, to combat the way in which Satan is trying to lead his people astray. As I said, there are many different things that you could dive into in this passage. Many of them are back in the scriptures at places you can dive back into and walk through and see what God is trying to teach about the way in which there is opposition that is always around his people and how he provides for the escapes from their teaching, how he provides for them to be redirected back to the truth, and how he consistently draws his people back to himself. But as you walk through those things today, as you answer the questions that you have in this passage, I pray that you would grow in your understanding of how God is revealing himself to you to display how he is the one who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. 
know today you were loved.